Welcome to Relationships as Spiritual Practice, Bridging the Secular and Spiritual. In this special episode, join Lachelle and guests, Matthew Letterman and Mark Idetta, both of whom offer this work to others and study with wise heart, ask questions and offer their own discoveries as they cultivate this important aspect of mindful, compassionate dialogue, consciousness, and skill. Hello, thank you for being with us here today. I'm so happy to be back here with Matt and Mark. And today we're talking about competency number four, which is self-empathy, mindful, compassionate dialogue competency number four. Thank you both for being here. Thank you for having us. Pleasure. Yeah. I'm just excited to hear what came up for you as you took time to specifically sit with and put your attention on this competency, live live this particular ability in you. Leave the charge, Matt. Leave the charge. <laughs> for, you know, one thing that um, stood out for me was when you talked about people saying self-empathy doesn't work. Mm. And I definitely have had those thoughts in the past. And one of the shifts in my consciousness was slowing down and sort of sort of softening and letting the empathy space and time to do its work and sticking with it in that empathic space. Not, And I was just curious, what do you find prevents people from softening into this space and this type of consciousness? Mm. I've heard you say, you know, don't, if you go quick, right. And, or you go yeah. back into problem solving or whatever, but I, but really valuing that slowing down and softening, what is the, what is the way to get that into our bodies to trust that wisdom? Hmm. Well, that's a big question. Well, I think just lots of experiences doing it and being successful and defining success as connection, of course. Mm-hmm. And I would make a guess that most people need support for that, that it's that's not a thing that you do by yourself and expect that you'll stay focused and stay in your body and slow down. Boy, I could could never have done that as a person starting on their path in my teen years and 20s. There's just so much momentum around distraction and moving quickly and then if you have critic voices interrupting the process, it's just too much. Yeah. So maybe getting some really wonderful empathic experiences from other people or with other people yeah. is the first step yeah. to really being able to successfully do self-empathy. Absolutely. Yeah, yeah. and this is going to sound like a little commercial, but it's not meant to be. And so often when I've written in my gems over the years, I've heard, You say, get some empathy from someone else, but I don't have anyone to give me empathy. And so I just want to say that I'm so grateful that on WiseHeart, we have this program called MCD Companions, and you can sign up and just receive empathy. And your first session is just a gift. So there's these opportunities. But if you already have someone in your life who can just give you empathy, wow, that's fantastic. And you know, and to really set your intention before you share with someone, I'm really looking for empathy. I'm really wanting to welcome all my experience, all the parts of me, and just be with them and see what each part needs and feel my feelings, right? To set set the dialogue up that way with your intention really clearly. Yeah. I like I like that because there's something, as you were talking, I just thought to myself, when I want empathy from someone else and I experience really sweet empathy, it takes some time. Yeah. When I do the self-empathy process, I'm like yeah. in 15 seconds, why is it not working? You know, like, yeah, yeah. like there's this disconnect that yeah. self-empathy, if anything, probably takes a little more time to protect that and hold that space. Yeah. <clears throat> and I'm trying to make it work in 30 seconds, 60 seconds feels yeah. almost like a lot of time. Really good point. Yeah. Time and repetition too. Like, To me, sometimes I use the metaphor of knocking on the door of your subconscious. Like you can't just knock, wait 15 seconds and walk away. 
and expect your subconscious to say, here are all the gifts that you were looking for. So you knock, you do it consistently. Maybe you have a ritual once a week or every morning. You have 15 minutes of self-connection. And then you set aside a longer time, right? Like you're saying, Matt. So you knock on the door and you're willing to wait patiently for what arises. Yeah, Yeah. absolutely. And I like that making, you know, holding 10 minutes of space for your self-empathy practice process. Yeah. Right. It just, I don't know why it hasn't dawned on me until this minute, but Uh to make more, hold more space for my self-empathy. Yeah. A patience and a spaciousness there setting at that time. Yeah. Mm -hmm. Love it. And then that practice of just like, you know, giving empathy to other people, giving empathy to yourself. Yeah. Take some practice and it might, for most, I imagine it's not a a habitual process. It takes a little time to feel natural again. Yeah, really. And the way, and the way I teach self-empathy, it's much more than identifying feelings and needs. So there's many steps, right? There's first, there's just noticing and saying, Oh, I feel disconnected around something. Maybe you don't even know what it is, right? Oh, I feel disconnected. And then immediately trying a regulation strategy. We have a whole list of regulation strategies on the free handouts on the website. Regulating first and then beginning to enter into feelings, needs. What was the stimulus? What story did I tell myself? Mm. And when I've landed with that need, Ah, well, how do I want to care for that need really specific and doable? It's a lot to do. It's a lot of skills that we, most of us have not grown up with. Right. And I'm hearing that sort of that I've heard people talk about presence and accompaniment and, and that to me is what's happening before you're guessing feelings and needs. And for me, when I first started Ah. with self-empathy, it was guessing feelings and needs but I missed that sort of presence and accompanying myself in my, in my moment. I would say, Oh, I got to get the feeling. And then I got the need, right. And now I should be feeling better and not. You know, so. <laughs> yeah. 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 Right. You said that. Thanks Matt for just pointing that out. Maybe, maybe there's more than just you that learned self-empathy that way. Oh, self-empathy is just looking at my list. identifying my feelings and needs. Right. It's that physio physiological emotional regulation that allows that connection to feelings and needs it's like the foundation from which when you identify them oh it's more than just circling words on a list right yeah And and the feelings and needs words when you're in that other state that i'm hearing you describe to me are almost just enough words to keep sort of holding that state through the flow that it would go right so it's it's not about guessing. And I know people have talked about this intellectually, that guessing the words right. Yeah. It's about, it's that, it's that process that's happening as you're with yourself. That's really hard, I think, to describe when I'm, especially when I was first learning self-empathy. Mm-hmm. The process of being more fully with yourself. Is that what you mean? Yeah. Yeah. And that using the feelings and needs words, just like with empathy with other people is more of a, you know, it's less about the words or getting the words right. Yeah. And I've heard people say that, mm. but it's really, there's something about experiencing that. And it's just hard to get across, even when you were doing mm. empathy with others. But now I'm hearing that that's, now we have to do it with ourselves, which is an added level of difficulty, I imagine. Yeah, absolutely. Yeah. Yeah. I think I hear you saying that there's that stage of integration in which when you see a feeling on a list, something resonates in your own being like oh i feel that resonance i have that level of awareness and connection with myself that some part of you naturally says yes not a mental yes but a a body an emotional yes that's it and that and that that word is simply a vehicle to get that body yeah sort of opening and recognition of that experience yeah it opens the door yeah and then that process is that what I'm hearing is the self-empathy process. Yeah. Right. Or, you know, right. So, yeah. Yeah. And of course we're, um, we're focusing on words right now, but I just want to acknowledge there's so many modalities in the world that help open the heart, the emotional body, the spirit Mm 
dancing, you know, drumming, like the list goes on, long, long list. So I just want to acknowledge mm. this baseline of what helps us open to our own being. And there's a lot of modalities for that. And this is one. Yeah. Do you think powerful music, you know, yeah. Um, and lyrics that really touch? Yeah, absolutely. Fall along that, yeah. Yeah, absolutely. Movement, types of movement. Yeah. Mm. Yeah. Yeah, Mark, mm -hmm. I saw you were leaning forward there. I, I, I wanted to add to the piece about how words can help our process of self-empathy along. Um, when we were um, discussing the fact that the words can sometimes unlock maybe deeper meaning within our bodies. Mm. I'm also experiencing in my own practice how the words can just be a sweet form of accompaniment to the experience. Oh, what? So to the experience? Accompaniment. Accompaniment, yeah. Mm -hmm. So it's almost like a resonant um, relationship mm -hmm. where if the feelings or the sensations in the body happen to be a certain flavor, and as I kind of sit with the heat of that and just kind of feel that it's just saying a word like hmm, distress or sadness or despair, there seems to be sometimes a resonance just in saying the word yeah. that might be the felt sense. Mm -hmm. um, but Matt and I were having a conversation um, earlier about how sometimes when we're trained to use a list of feelings and needs to try to get into our uh, experience, how sometimes in an effort to try to um, give ourselves self-empathy, we'll just start maybe making needs guesses or feelings guesses or trying to give yeah. ourselves acknowledgement for certain experiences prematurely mm. so that we're, we're not almost letting our bodies talk to us. We're not. Mm. Kind of like almost... a mental bypassing happens. Yes. Yeah. Yeah. Like I'm a... not, I don't want to feel my body. Let me just look at a list. <laughs> <laughs> and there's or... no getting it, like trying to get it right. Right. Yeah. Like I think, I think empathy, uh... when you're doing self-empathy, there's an intention of, I want to feel better. So if you're trying to get somewhere, yeah, right. You see, like we're, it's, a yeah, it's a very usually. mental kind of, and naturally, because we have a lot of conditioning. If I understand something mentally, then I'll feel better. That's the right. propaganda <laughs> that we've received. Yeah. 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 <clears throat> and and even just a desire for um, protection. Sometimes we'll just try to come in quickly yeah. to um, so that we don't have to fully feel the pain yeah. of whatever is coming up. Um yes want to heal it make it feel better yeah so and so sometimes I, i'll catch myself trying to give myself acknowledgement for a certain experience before really letting my body have its full say i just love that point that is beautiful i really like it mark yeah yeah it's so easy to just kind of bypass right bypass what's happening yeah absolutely mm -hmm. Robert Gonzalez, um, I think your assessor, correct? Mm -hmm. He was my assessor, yeah. He's passed he on really, now. Mm, he really in the world. Go ahead. Such profound wisdom. Yeah. He he emphasized a lot the compassionate presence element to self empathy, didn't yeah. he? Yeah, yeah. Mm. Yeah. Yeah, for someone just starting, that's really that's high. That's hard to do. Yeah. Often I just recommend just like a hand on the heart. I'm suffering. I'm sad that I'm suffering. This is really hard. Right? Just naming the suffering. This is painful. Naming is one of those ways to keep your attention there and prevent that bypassing that you're talking about, just to name what's happening. Mm. Yeah. Yeah. How do you frame self-empathy in your world, Lachelle, without the the um sort of holding on to trying to feel better? 
right? Like, mm-hmm. in other words, I find a lot of times people want to do self-empathy when they're in pain and like, oh, let's do self-empathy, almost like it's a, to fix it. Yeah. So, but to me, that would that take you out of this, the that empathic presence or is it, does that make sense? Yeah, I love that, Matt. Yeah, I think we could say the purpose of the first purpose of self-empathy is to locate yourself in the ability to witness what's happening, mm-hmm. not to feel better. Because we know that as we get into a rough place, we start to lose our skills. The more that rough place takes over, the more we act from that. And then that those actions are typically not skillful and create more suffering. Mm-hmm. Yeah. So the purpose of self-empathy is so that you're not possessed by that reactivity or disconnect, right? That you're able to stand in the middle of it, or we could say a little bit bigger than it. And just say, oh, this is happening. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Because wow, I just had a yeah. a shift in my body hearing that, right? Because ah. up until now, it's self-empathy is to feel better. Oh. And, it's, and it put pressure on self-empathy. Yeah. And, and then there's an assessment. Is this working? Why is it not working? Mm-hmm. But if it's just like, oh, it's not fail too, possible right. failure. Right. Yeah. Scary. Yeah. yeah. And then it's like, this isn't working. And then there's more pressure. Right. Yeah. But if yeah. it's just about being present, because that makes life more wonderful and you have more access to your skills, mm. there's just a different, it's not as weighty. It just feels like, oh, I'd like that. Mm, right? yeah. It's yeah. interesting. Yeah. It would be like having a friend come alongside you and rather than just sitting with you and keeping you company in your state, they're trying to make you feel better mm. and they're trying to do it by using feelings and needs words. Yeah. And, and you can kind of sense that. Yeah. Right. You can kind of sense like, you're just trying to make me feel better, but I just really want to be here. Yeah. <laughs> I, I yeah. want to be in this state. Will you spend time with me here? And sometimes I feel like parts of us really just want to have that presence. They, it, they want our company without wanting to be changed or fixed or empathized with. Mm. They just want our presence. Don't go on because I really want to emphasize what you said because I don't take it for granted that most people know what's happening when empathy isn't landing. Mm. Right. So I think what you said is super important that when someone's trying to give you empathy to get you to feel better, they're probably bypassing a lot of your experience. Number one, it's not getting seen or understood. Right. And the other really important thing you said was that what we really want in our heart of hearts is companionship in our experience. It's not to feel better immediately. Mm. It seems like it's just to get to better, but we really just want companionship. Yeah. And then at the deepest level, we want to cultivate this faith. And if we understand that, then we we start to know and we start to learn, ah, just with companionship, things unfold and untangle. Yeah. Ah, I have a new perspective. And then eventually I do feel better, of course, because that bigger me is having space to see what's happening. All the parts get their space to live and be seen celebrated loved yeah yeah Yeah. love that (laughs) the image i mean as i hear you say this lachelle is just having an internal family where the goal isn't to try to make the parts feel better it's just to be a warm witness to them where they're at how they're expressing themselves what it is they might be wanting what they currently believe and how i can resonate with their current belief yeah and it's not about going in with a fire hose and trying to make them all feel better. It's about just simply being present to where they're at. Yeah. Um, feeling the energy of their emotion, maybe using yeah. words if I feel like that can resonate with their experience. Mm-hmm. That kind of a dynamic. Yeah. And um, the second part, I just because I hear some of my students saying, but sometimes I just want to feel better. <laughs> and right. so I want to say like, All that you just described, Mark, if you're really with someone who can attune well to you, that can happen in 15 seconds. 
Yeah. Right? If someone is just like, they get you and they say the thing and they have the expression and they allow it fully, like, ah, yes, you get me. Now tell me what to do. Right? So... (laughs) So that attunement, that being with, also includes now you've received companionship and now we can look for a solution, right? Because you're fully on board. The whole you is here, all your skills, all your parts. Yeah. And now we can brainstorm solutions or strategies. But there's no rule about the being with takes hours or days. Sometimes it takes seconds or minutes. Absolutely. And we're attuning to that that shift where the person goes, oh, you got me. That's totally it. Yeah. And sometimes that leads to the unfolding of something else. And sometimes that person is like, that's enough getting me for now. Let's move on to what to do. So yeah. just that big space for that. Mm. And, the, and, the, and the, the willingness to to sort of focus on that connection with yourself. And then trust that from there, yeah. Once that softening happens, yeah. You know, strategies and next steps will emerge. But the the self empath self empathy process to me is yeah. focusing on that quality connection with yourself and trusting beautiful. that the rest will come. Yeah, beautiful man. I think you're highlighting something really important because if you don't know that the way you do, Matt, some people might say, "Oh." Thank you. You really got me. Now, do you have some advice? And they'll still look externally mm-hmm. because they don't know that that new state that they're in actually will channel quite a bit of wisdom and new ideas and creativity. Mm-hmm. And so hopefully their companion says, well, let's just slow down. And do you want to check in if a new idea comes to you? Right. right? Before jumping into advice giving. Yeah. Beautiful. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Another. Um dynamic that's coming up for me right now is how there are times when we get so um taken by voice or a part of ourselves that um all we can see is through that through that yeah absolutely right so and i and i i loved how you really made that clear in the fourth video on self-empathy notes are right here um being caught in a smaller identity, basically yeah. in that trance state, as you put yeah. it. And just for the listeners, Mark is referring to the 90-minute workshop on self-empathy that's on our website. Yeah. 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 And the idea um, that Matt and I were talking about earlier um, was that when we find ourselves fully uh, consumed by a a voice or a part of ourselves where we're now within that worldview. We can only yeah. think within that worldview. We yeah. can only feel within that worldview that giving ourselves empathy in that spot lands very well. We don't have the capacity to almost be an observer. Yeah. We just, in some sense, by giving ourselves empathy, we're beginning that process of in IFS, they would call in internal family systems. They would call that unblending with a part. Yeah where we're beginning to try to bring back that warm witness by giving ourselves direct empathy. But then there are other times when we're not fully consumed by that voice or that part where we're giving it most externally. Oh, are you feeling maybe a sense of loss right now and confusion because you would love so much more clarity about Mm -hmm. how to go forward. Right. Mm -hmm. And so it's, we're almost able to talk to that voice or that part from a perspective of a wise, warm witness. Yeah, when we're in a more expansive perspective, and yeah, and so the um, the locus of attention can sometimes shift depending upon mm-hmm. our level of charge. Can we externalize these voices and give them warmth as if they were external entities of ourselves, or are we just simply trying to? unblend a little bit from a part that's totally um consumed our our very mm-hmm. essence in that moment yeah yeah our thought mark when we were talking was and we want to see what you thought lachelle was by starting with this self-empathy process if you're all blended or all of your all the different needs are all sort of tangled up in the feelings we'll allow that to start 
unblending or separating to where you can empathize with the individual pieces mm -hmm. more effectively. Is that mm -hmm. sort of your experience? Well, yes. And I guess I would say like the most difficult beginning stage is to recognize what's the difference between being located in an expansive perspective where all my parts are welcome and being in a part. That's a really big stage of transformation to go through. Mm. And right there, I would say it probably doesn't happen unless you have an intentional practice of regulation, mindfulness, meditation, something that is naturally expansive for you, dance, right? Unless there's some sort of practice in your life that naturally brings you into a more ex sense of expansion, it's going to be impossible to know that you're in a trance of a single part or that you're just like sequentially going from one trance to the next trance, depending on the part. Yeah. So self-empathy is impossible, basically, without that. Hmm, awareness. That awareness. Yeah, thank you. And yeah, and I just want to. Um, oh, let me just stop there, Mark. Is there more you wanted to add to that, or I wanted to? I was going to put a plug in for meditation and how <laughs> <laughs> that seems to be a great way to develop that yeah. that warm witness. But anyway, that was I, yeah. I can put that on the background. Oh, that's hey, plugs for meditation. We'll take it. <laughs> Why not? <laughs> <laughs> so, but before I. Um, have another point or question i just wanted to sort of highlight again at least for me it's really powerful to different like i i knew all this for empathy with other people yeah but for whatever reason i treated self-empathy differently so yeah. don't have an agenda witness a company you know all that was in there and i i could do that with others but i don't know why with self-empathy i i mm -hmm. see it as no i got to make myself feel better so mm. I just wanted to point out that, again, that, that mm. for whatever reason, that's really helpful. And I imagine there's people listening that yeah. might see self-empathy with that intention, too. Yeah. Thank you for coming back to that. So important. Yeah. Yeah. A lot of people report they can hold space. It seems like they can hold space for people, other people better for them for themselves. So yeah. Yeah. it makes sense. Mark, was Mark, you were joking earlier, which I thought was funny, that we have to get more comfortable talking to ourselves. You know? <laughs> I think yeah. we should. We should normalize that. Mm, My yeah. boys, I'm washing dishes now, and I'll just have conversations, just giving myself empathy out loud. I've gotten beyond that shame yeah. part where the boys can hear me talk to myself. Mm -hmm. I'm hoping when they're older and they're adults, they'll think, oh, yeah, dad was always giving himself this warmth and this oh, good. acceptance and Always trying to understand his experience. Oh, so Mark, you're feeling some tension in your face. Tell me more. You know? <laughs> <laughs> and I'll just be saying this out loud. And my, and my boys don't even look at me anymore. They just say, that's talking to himself. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. Beautiful. What are, your th what are your thoughts on normalizing talking to ourselves, Lachelle? <laughs> oh, I like it. I like it a lot. Yeah. Oh, man. Well, especially if the talking is some attempt to be compassionate right yes. i mean yeah. we already talk to ourselves all the time it's just a matter of doing it out loud mm. hopefully with a compassionate witness yeah yeah i like that point we all have our judges that are talking to us and often yeah. not very compassionately right why not throw in some compassionate voices too <laughs> yes definitely yeah and and Along the lines of having those voices talking to us, having critical parts talking to us, I feel I feel like one of the because I'm currently doing a lot of studies with internal family systems. One of the mm -hmm. strengths that I see from this particular therapeutic model mm -hmm. is how we don't have any bad parts. Mm, thanks for naming so, that. It's so important. Yeah, yeah, and so that critical voice. Mm -hmm. What can happen is when we have this critical voice maybe criticizing us for doing something or not doing something, mm -hmm. what can happen is that we develop a relationship with this critical voice where we are now 
judging ourselves for having a critical voice. So we have a critical voice, then we have a judge that's on top of our critical voice. And now we have this multi-layered experience going on in our systems. Sure, of course. And so making peace with 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 the critical voice by saying, oh my goodness, you're trying to help me by acknowledging its intention you're trying to contribute Mm -hmm. to my life right now you want me to get this right or you don't want me to look like a fool in front of everybody or Mm -hmm. you you really want there to be more effectiveness and more um proficiency here is that what i'm getting and then the part that might be judging the critical voice we can say oh and i see that you're concerned with the presence of this voice that you somehow think it's less than spiritual to have a part of me that's judging myself. Mm-hmm. And so we, it's like addressing these different, these different voices that come up with this warmth and acceptance and acknowledging the good intention behind yeah. their contribution. The life serving need that it's really trying to promote for us. Yes. Yeah. That's it. Yeah. I love it. I love it. Good. So uh, we ready to move on to another yeah, you got something else, Matt. Go for it. Yeah, yeah. So, Mark, did you want me to share something else or did you want to share something? Oh, no, I'm feeling good with that last point. Okay. So yeah. another point that you hit home that really stood out um, was that you can have sort of multiple needs and truths at the same time of conflict and to be empathizing with all of those. And I there's a tendency to sort of, hey, there's you know, in, in conflict versus like one is right and the other is wrong. And like, so for example, just to give an example to make that is that comes up often for saying, Hey, I can, you know, with, with my wife, for example, with Alona, right. I can feel hurt by something you did or stimulated by something hurt by something you did. And I can trust that you care about me at the same time. Yeah. Right. Like, and you, I think the more we don't have to put ourselves into either you hurt me on purpose and I got to prove that or you care about me and I have to suppress my hurt. Right. So to me, the empathic process makes space for there's multiple needs can be true or coming up or dealt with at the mm-hmm. same time. Does that, mm-hmm. I can have pain and trust that you care. Mm. Right? I, does that make sense that I don't know if you remember saying that, but I thought that really stood out as yeah valuable. Yeah. Yeah, so important. And and important, I think that's basically what you've been saying, Mark, about parts. And it's so important to be able to say that out loud to someone. A part of me is really angry right now about what happened, has a need for fairness. And another part remembers that you really love me, like you really love me and care about me. And I'm not ready to talk yet because I'm just in the middle of those two parts Trying to trying to get some more self connection. Mm. Yeah. And isn't that a disarming way of approaching someone with with pain that was stimulated? Yeah, right. Felt really hurt because I think that part was really wanting some acceptance and some warmth. Yeah. Very disarming because it allows the person to say, "Oh, it's just a part of them. It's not all of them." Yeah, exactly. So important. So important. Yeah that that came up. Um... I mean, I find examples helpful and that that came up, for example, uh, hey, we have this big thing that we're going to have to spend money on um, and I'm really worried about having to spend this money. Yeah. So then there's all of a sudden tightening up, right? And that yeah. self-empathy is what allows me to see both. There's more than one. Either I have to be okay with the money and suppress my concerns about money and say, oh, I care about you, spend whatever you want. Yeah. Or, hey, I'm really worried about the money spend, you know, bills are tight. Right. And then, you know, now you can't do that, you know, whatever yeah. it was that you needed to do to be able to empathize and say, okay, hey, there's two, mm-hmm. there's multiple needs. Yeah. I have a need for financial security and I have a need for you to get the care that you want. Right. And right now I don't even have a strategy. I just want to connect to both of those. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Right. And we can do that. If we do that internally at first, we make space for it, I think. Mm-hmm. And if we don't have that self-empathy process, we're sort of picking suppress mine, just be caring for her or don't be caring for her and meet your need for, Hey, we can't spend this money. Right. So to me, that's another real big value of the empathic self-empathy process. Right. Beautiful. And maybe from what you said, Matt, we could say, we could define inner conflict as the 
impulse and accompanied by a thought perhaps of some part of me is wrong and some part of me is right and i have to choose right at any time we're feeling tension that's at least one thing that's probably going on right <laughs> and you gave that yeah. example in your video with integrity and then people's strategy to meet their need for integrity. And all of a sudden there's that tightness, just recognizing. And that's the accompany me, right? Hey, I'm noticing tightness. Mm -hmm. I want to be present with that so that mm -hmm. eventually I can not only connect with myself, but then with the other person. Uh -huh. But I like that example was really powerful with, yeah. you know, sometimes you're attached to a single strategy to meet multiple needs on the table. So yeah, self-empathy allows us to connect to all of that. Yeah. To expand what yes. we can be present for and with. That example that you gave at the end of the video, um, where you had internal conflict, and then you had those two parts, one that wanted to take the job to meet certain needs, and then the other part of the other voice that didn't want to take the maybe the promotion because mm -hmm. you wanted to spend more time with the family. Uh-huh. And the modeling that you were doing by really empathizing with the needs of the one part to maybe want to take the job, what beliefs might be at play there. Yeah. Really empathizing with the other part within ourselves that wants to spend more time with the family, wants to mm. have more contribution that way. Mm -hmm. That whole process of giving empathy to those different parts in us. Yeah. Um, was something. I think the tricky part there I want to name, um, you're naming it and you've been practicing with it. So it seems clear to you. And what I would say is it's not so clear which part is which for people who are beginning with that process. Oh. And what I've noticed in coaching people is they start, I say, just speak from that part. And they start speaking and another part comes in and they're not aware that another part came in and started speaking. And so then you can imagine it just gets so tangled, right? Oh, mm -hmm. And so that first part is is really learning and feeling, oh, did I shift over to a different part of me? And if so, can I come back or or can I get out another piece of paper and write what that part says, however you organize it? But that's that's maybe the beginner stage of how do I even sort out different parts of me? Because it's all jumbled in there. Absolutely. Yeah, yeah. But that beginning stage of just differentiation, it mm -hmm. seems like there's one part of me that's wanting this, mm -hmm. and then maybe another one that wants this. Mm -hmm. And really giving that same care to each part and maybe even holding the tension of mm -hmm. within our internal family of just mm -hmm. saying, yeah, and then just being at peace with the fact that you might have different needs and different strategies, and we may be at a deadlock inside. But there can be warmth and there can be spaciousness around. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. Yeah, we when you say deadlock, I would say we may not yet have enough connection <laughs> for there to be flow and creativity and expansiveness. Yeah. Oh, absolutely. Yeah, yeah, I like it. I would imagine, Lachelle, does your experience that it, care for the other person is usually mixed in there as one of the needs? So... Like when I'm feeling that torn or tension or pressure, there's a part of me that wants you to know that I really care about you. And there's another part that wants to do something else that I'm worried is not going to meet the need for care for you or something. So I think sometimes it's helpful for me. And you used to do that when you would coach me is give me like a little sort of cheat sheet of things to be sort of on uh, the lookout for. Right. So mm -hmm. that need for maybe there's some common needs that lead to, you know, parts going in different directions or emulating mm. that tension. And I'm just mm. offering up that I think care is a big one, right? Right. Yeah. Yeah. Let me say that back to you and yeah. add something. Key phrase for self-empathy is I feel torn because mm -hmm. I feel torn allows you to begin to have more than one part. Right. Mm. And then usually, yeah, I think there is a list like that, Matt. Thanks for saying that. Usually there's the thing itself, like I want to quit going to this group or I want to make this big purchase. There's that thing that's not so normal. It's just a, an event coming up. And then there's either 
and I'm worried about the impact on the other person, need for care, contribution, or I'm worried about acceptance or belonging, mm. right, as a tender need. I would say those tender needs that we've described in other videos, perhaps, I'll go on that other part of I'm torn. Yeah. But care and acceptance would be my top two that I would get curious about for folks. Yeah. So I like that. It's helpful to have a couple needs to be looking for when I'm so to notice I'm feeling torn. That's a big step. Yeah. yeah. And then there's hey, I'm torn. There's probably care or acceptance or both on one side. Yeah. And then on the other side of torn is maybe something, you know, this other thing that you described. Yeah. And, and there's room for both to exist. Yeah. Yeah. And that I think is really, there's like a softening. Okay. We don't have to pick between one or the other. Yeah. Mm. And we can just say it out loud to the other person. Right. And we don't have to do all that by ourselves mm. inside. How can I care for you and still do this thing? Like I got to figure it out. Like will we just put ourselves on a little tiny Island. Right. Not necessary. Right. You can just say out loud, boy, I want to, do this, but I'm worried about the impact on you. Right. What comes up for you when you imagine me doing this? Yes. Just open the dialogue with that. Like you were saying earlier, Matt, really. Yeah. And that and opening that dialogue actually meets those needs for care and acceptance. Yeah, exactly. It's already a form of care. Right. You're already going down that path that you so it's it's that's wonderful. Yeah. Mm. yeah. So there was, there was, I don't know if there's more on this. I know we're, you're, you know, time flies, but there was one other thing that you pointed out that I thought was so valuable. So I want to first, Mark, did you have more to say on that by ancient? I didn't, no. All right. So the one other thing that you said when you were helping people in the video create anchors. Mm. And what I noticed was that when I've done anchors in the past, it was an intellectual anchor. Oh. And you spend a lot of time Right, or I spent a little bit of time in the body, but it was like you spent a lot of time really getting that body experience. And I heard you mention a few senses, you know, make you know, mm. three, I think you said was a nice number. Mm -hmm. And I've, I, for whatever reason, I know you've talked about it, written about it, but to really spend time mm. solidifying or cementing that anchor as an experience in your world mm. versus just sort of an intellectual understanding or a thought, or uh -huh. so that was very powerful. Oh, to shapers, to make, I think to make them more valuable for me. Ah, oh, good. Yeah, and so for people who are listening, doesn't don't know the term anchor. We do an anchor process in our classes, in which we help someone enter into a peak experience, and then find something tangible in that experience that they could return to in their consciousness that would help them expand in a moment of contraction and return to the situation in front of them with that expansive sense that allows them to access skills and compassion, mm. wisdom. Yeah. And when you say peak experience, what do you mean by that? Peak experience, like an experience of mm, connection, expansion. Yeah. Maybe some people would use the word confidence. A moment when I was in the zone or I was confident. Mm. Yeah. Flow states. So flow, really grounded, self-connected. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And then trying to use that and be able to bring that into reactive experiences. Right. Maybe there's a particular memory or an image or words or a belief that in a given moment of tension, we can just go leave the situation at hand, internally go and focus on that, and whoop, it opens that expansive network and allows us to come back to the situation more skill yeah. yeah thanks for bringing that up it's an important part of the self-empathy process yeah yeah because if we do self-empathy without being anchored in that expansive perspective it could be your critic that's going through the self-empathy process right <laughs> yeah <laughs> yeah that will be more suffering <laughs> so what would I, I i know we're running out of time here but what would that if you were what would it look like for a critic to do self-empathy what would that sound like i'm trying to well i think it, it would probably be a lot about tone 
Ah. Okay, so you're feeling angry and disappointed again. <laughs> because it's you know, your tender it's... need for acceptance again, right? There might be little things like again in there. I found with maybe a caretaking part that I have mm-hmm. that they'll come in quickly with self-empathy or with acknowledgement for an experience because it it's it's not necessarily coming from that warm, welcoming witness or from, as they would say in internal family systems, yeah. from self. Yeah. It's, com- it's coming in to try to... Feel better, maybe. Manage the pain. Yeah. Feel better. Pain management like, system. Nice, Mark. I like that. So it's it's subtle because you think because you're coming in with warmth and saying, oh, would you like some acknowledgement for how difficult this experience is? It's like the words and even the tone can be warm and sweet, but it's cutting off the experience of the body in a way that's mm-hmm. trying to preserve it from more pain. Mm-hmm. And so... Might be mental so, or it might be quick would be another sign. Quick, yeah. Mm-hmm. Quick, yeah. Or if it's not landing, maybe again, a part of me is just trying to come in and make me feel better rather than really be with me and listen. To yeah. Yeah. I want you to move on. Right. Yeah. Get over it. Yep. Come on. Better. Get over it. Let's move on. Get yourself together. We got a big day ahead. I right. don't have time for this attitude. I said all the right <laughs> words. What's going on here? <laughs> yeah, exactly. I think it can even come from care. Like it, I think mm-hmm. that sometimes you, you can have sure. a warm, loving part of yourself that just, that's maybe from past experience where uh, you have a loving figure that they wanted to make you feel better. And so you can, you can sometimes connect love and care with making someone feel better, but it's so subtle sometimes how we'll come yeah. in with warm words or with accompaniment and still not meet us where we're at. Yeah. Yeah, yeah, right. That attunement, that attunement to what's happening in the present moment is a very subtle skill, subtle sense of presence, right? That yeah. we're looking for. It's time and practice to notice it, even yeah. really. Absolutely. Hmm. Yeah, thank you for that. Yeah, warmth and care are so helpful. And what comes first is the attunement. The willingness to be present with what's happening to the extent that that person wants to be present. Also not forcing that, right? There's no have to about you have to be present with all your parts. huh? Maybe not right now. Maybe you don't have the resources for that. Maybe you'll become flooded if we allow more parts to come up, right? So there's a management there. Yeah. Yeah, this, this is, yeah, I want to, I want to just re, when you rename that, that we've talked a lot about so important to be present with everything and we don't want to force that either we maybe don't have all the resources we need to be present with all our parts so that has its own organic unfolding and healing journey as well yes Mm. so there you would say that could look like some level of acceptance that this is as present as i have capacity to do in the moment and that's okay yeah Yeah, or if you were helping someone be present and they said, I can't look at that part, then hopefully you would say, okay, must not be time to look at that part. Absolutely. Yeah. Yeah. And there's a a you in there that is saying, don't go there. So we can talk to the voice who says, don't go there and give that voice empathy too. Mm -hmm. Not with the agenda of getting that voice to calm down, but just because now that's the part that's speaking. it's a lot it's so easy to get caught up in our agendas it's just saying all that's reminding me like (laughs) there's a lot of conditioning around that so lots of compassion for those habits of what i'm what am i supposed to be doing (laughs) right what's the right thing such a conditioned voice Agendas, yeah. a lot of agendas. Yeah, I have an agenda. So we just get bigger and accept that. Oh, there's my agenda self. That's okay. <laughs> yeah. Mm-hmm. Anything else for the two of you before we start to close for today? Mm. 
Mm. I guess maybe a final word or thought from for me on this topic is just the wonder and the um, beauty of really cultivating a beautiful relationship with ourselves and how it really is um, practice that takes time that we can do anywhere we want and we can carve out time for, but it's just starting small and starting where we're at and just yeah. really leaning into our experience and noticing when our face feels flushed and mm. making note of that and saying, is there more that you want to tell me? Or, mm. but it can just be something that's organic and something like you said, where we're not trying to push ourselves to face certain fears before our system is ready for it, but it's just a relationship. And um, that takes time and practice. Mm -hmm. Thank you for that. Beautiful. Yeah. Enjoy that. Anything for you, Matt? Well, I was going to say, I'm going to try and start talking to myself while I'm doing the dishes. And I think I'm going to start small and in the car by myself, and then I'll uh -huh. progress to dishes in front of the family. <laughs> And I joke, but I think that's okay. actually fun to not only model for the family yeah. to do yeah. for myself, you yeah. know, because it's, I want self-empathy to work in the heat of the moment, but mm. just like, you know, that's the hardest time to, that's where you're, you need the most skill. So I like this idea of practicing doing dishes, mm. you know, checking in with myself. Mm. This has been very, very valuable. Thank you. Mm. Yeah. Thanks, Matt. Yeah. Thank you both. Yay, yay. And we all have a more loving and kind relationship with our own experience with ourselves. Yes. Yeah. Yes. Yeah. Thank you for all that the two of you are doing in the world to grow and learn and spread healing and connection. Mm. Mm. And thank you for everybody who's listening. Thank you for being here. Thank you for taking the time and your own intention to heal grow, transform. May it ripple out and out. Radiating love from my heart to yours. Mm -hmm. See you next time. You can learn more about Mindful Compassionate Dialogue and find free resources, live offerings, and self-paced workshops online at www.wiseheartpdx.org. You can also connect with WiseHeart on Facebook, Instagram, Twitter, and YouTube, or by emailing info at wiseheartpdx.org.